Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I am talking to another farm kid, somebody who grew up on a farm in uh, Bonneville area, I believe it is, and found herself down in southern Alberta running a safety company. So with me today is Amy Zuck Olson. She's the founder and co-partner of Safety Buzz Campus, and so they do all sorts of safety-oriented training for a wide range of industries but she's got 20 years of entrepreneurial experience that we're going to dig into here in a moment. So welcome to the show, Amy. Well, thanks so much for having me, Lance. Okay. So I want to hit you up first with a question I usually ask most of my guests, and that is, you know, you've been an entrepreneur now for 20 years or so. What would you say are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? Well, when you're uh, limited to three things, the number one thing that uh, I think is invaluable for everybody to know is being an entrepreneur is extremely difficult work. Yeah. And regardless of the outside vision looking in, you know darn well that there's been hills and valleys that somebody has gone through to be able to endure and, uh, in my case, be in business for 20 years. Yeah. Number two, make sure you have the right team. Mm -hmm. It's so very easy to think that I got this. I can do everything. But if you want to have a business where you can expand and grow, you need to realize that you can't do everything and you need to be able to let go and empower others to be able to help you with that. Yeah. And uh, I guess the third thing in having that right team is really looking into who is on your team that is best suited to grow your business and to be very, very involved with that person every step of the way on building those growth goals. Okay. It's so very quick and easy to grow too fast, to mm. spend too much money, to go beyond your means. And all of a sudden you have no business left. Yeah. So, you know, we, we took uh, a lot of time and effort to plan growth and to grow at a rate that we can handle and uh, the team that we have can handle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, such a, a delicate balance to, achieve i think and it's uh for me anyway it's a constant dance along that um, investment of time and energy and resources into the staff and training them and so on developing them but then at the same time making sure that you have uh the cash flow that growth will fuel but then also the cash flow that fuels growth right so so it, yeah. it is just such a delicate balance there yeah yeah Okay, so we're going to get into some more questions about how you manage some of that here in a minute. Uh, but I think the audience would benefit from understanding a little bit more about your business. So what is it that Safety Buzz Campus, what is it that you guys do? What problems are you trying to solve? Well, pretty simple. We're trying to solve people's problems in order for both individually uh, as a corporation, how to be safe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people look at safety and I, over the years, I've had tons of people say, well, how do I get into safety? And well, number one, what do you want to do? I think there's a, uh, sometimes there's a lack of education on 
what areas a business requires safety for. And that's one of the things that we've really been focusing on the last few years is building a culture of safety. So both internally and externally. So the way that we have done that to solve people's problems is we become part of their organization. So whether we're doing the safety training where people come to our campus or we go to them, uh, we work with companies to manage their culture and to mentor people. Yeah. And that's so important because many businesses don't even realize that you need to have a safety plan. Yeah. Some businesses, they say, okay, well, I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to manage safety when they're already so overwhelmed. So not only do we come in, but like I said, we become part of their team and we start to build culture. You know, Daniel Quill said in his book, Culture Code, that one of the most important things to building culture is to build in safety and security. Hmm. And it was when I heard that, it really stuck with me. And I started to think about it. You know, if you've got people coming to a workplace and they don't feel safe, they're not going to actually be able to be positive within the culture. So yeah. how do you build a culture if people don't feel like you care about them enough to keep them safe? Yeah. So that's that's a really, um, really large part of what we do. We have uh, class one and three truck driver training. And, uh, you know, certainly with the lack of drivers, that's been important. And the last division that we have is our air trailer division. So field safety services. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting what you said there. I really like to go back to that quote in terms of of just the impact that safety has on the culture of the organization. And so, um, you know, there's going to be some industries where it's much more important than others, I suppose. You know, like like my industry, uh, you know, as a marketing agency, we don't bump into a lot of safety issues, really. Like, but there is that security piece that, hey, the company has your back, right? And so that's yeah. where a lot of our health, and which would be health and safety for a lot of companies, it's a little bit more focused on the health side of things that we really look after our employees. So, um, and it just takes me to a, uh, uh, earlier this week, we were on location filming some videos for a, a client of ours who is in the oil and gas industry. And the one thing that went across just about everybody's comments uh, for their culture video when when what is their culture was this focus on safety, which was so right. so critical and important. So yeah, I, I've heard it right there from the from an industry that uh, is just safety is such a critical aspect of it. So yeah, it's really neat. Okay, so um, so safety training. This is uh, something where you know I'm pretty sure that when you were a 12 year old girl, you weren't thinking, what am I going to be when I grow up? I'm going to be a safety trainer. So, so tell me a little bit about your story. How did you get into this? How did you, how did you end up finding yourself running a safety training company? Well, you know, being a, a 12 year old girl, I grew up on the farm as, as you'd mentioned, and I always worked with my dad. I was the oldest sibling, so I was the one out there. I was the one helping him clean out pens, open gates, bring the feed. So, you know, I was I was looked at as a helper. I wasn't looked at as a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. So, 
as I got older, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit between my dad running the farm, well, my dad and mom, and my dad, my mom having a boutique in the small town of Bonneville. You know, they both own a business. And in my head, I'm like, well, you know, this is pretty cool. They get to set their own hours. They get to do what they want. Uh, certainly being a little naive to what it was all about being a business owner. But I did gain excellent work ethic. And, uh, you know, talking to my dad, he was doing a little succession planning and, you know, we just had that conversation about farming and he's like, Amy, don't farm, go make some money, go work in the oil field. Cause I had mentioned I had some aspirations of working in the oil field. So, yeah. but well, you know what, let's do it. Uh, took my fourth class power engineering and away I went. Yeah, I, I'm just going to pause the story there just real quickly because it's so funny that your dad was telling you not to get follow his footsteps and and stay in yeah. agriculture. So I grew up on a farm in northern Alberta, and and my father was always like, yeah, "You have to come back and you know be on the farm because it was a multi generational farm, and so the farm has yeah. to live on, right?" And so me being the eldest son, it was like that was my my the expectation and my mom on the other side was always saying saying don't go into farming this is this lifestyle is just so tough right so difficult go yeah. off you're smart go off get your education and do something else um but don't come back to the farm and so uh it's just funny that your dad was actually uh you know notice that you have had maybe other aspirations and and abilities that really uh would maybe provide you with a better lifestyle than what he had had or whatever that he wanted to you to aspire to so yeah really interesting so anyway continue your story yeah so uh with within the oil field uh i was an operator it was pretty cool good money i uh got to work with a, a bunch of great people i did not like the cold i uh, <laughs> did not like the early mornings there's a lot of things that you know weren't quite uh my cup of tea and one day I was in a, a safety training course. The instructor, she wasn't a whole lot older than me. And I looked at her and I thought, man, why don't I do this? Yeah. So that kind of sparked it. I decided I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to do safety training. So uh, literally probably two weeks later, I figured out what I needed to do, what kind of training I required. I had gone to university, so I had some business education behind me yep. and it was just uh, go hard. Yeah. And uh, that work ethic it was simple. I was the trainer. I was the administrator. I was the bookkeeper. I was the janitor. I, I just, I did it all. All and the hats. Yeah. All the hats. It, uh, was, it was somewhat sustainable for a while, but then going back to my dad, he was, he was always good to give me little gold nuggets. And one day we're driving and he just, he looked at me and he's like, you know, Amy, you can't do this all by yourself. You yeah. need to hire people. I'm like, what? Hire people? Like who's going to be able to do what I'm doing? Yeah. 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 Fair enough. I, I took that initiative. I took the risk and hired one person. They helped in the office. Um, then I had hired somebody else. They helped to do a little instructing and slow but steady, just had some growth from there. And then another uh, moment I remember so vividly from my dad was <laughs> when he told me, Amy, don't take this the wrong way, but 
I don't think you could work for anyone anymore. I think you just need to keep running a business. So <laughs> I did what I have. <laughs> well, that, that's so true, right? There's so many of us entrepreneurs that uh, we make really, really crappy employees. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it, we kind of have to run our own businesses. Otherwise we would be broke, <laughs> <laughs> unemployed. Yeah, so... Okay, so those were the early stages of that. So you started the safety company then and you started training people. Um, and so talk, talk to me a little bit about the growth of the business. So um, where, you know, between the, the startup to where you're at now, I understand there's been lots of different chapters. So mergers and acquisitions and selling and, and a bunch of things. So walk us through a little bit of that. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a story. Again, you know, you, you look at a, a business and you think, okay, well, you know, things look pretty good, but most people don't really know the underneath. So yeah. I started the safety training company in Bonneville and, uh, you know, it's an oil and gas town. So it was always very busy. I, uh, you know, I really, I loved what I did, had a great team. We started to grow and expand and pretty soon the idea was, okay, well, where else do we go? So we'd done some training uh, in the Lacklebish area, decided to open up a satellite office in Lloydminster. And then, you know, life brings you all kinds of curves. I ended up moving to the Medicine Hat area for personal reasons. And of course, here I'm in Medicine Hat. I feel like I've got no purpose. Hmm. Uh, what am I going to do? Well, what's natural progression? I'm going to bring Safety Buzz Campus to Medicine Hat. Yep. So now uh, somewhere in this process decided, well, I, you know, I, I can't handle Lloyd and Bonneville because I was the one of the sole instructors for some of the courses. So I was actually the one traveling to Lloyd to teach some of the courses. And we had yep. somebody in house who could teach others, but it was it was just too much. Traveling back and forth to Bonneville, you know, a nearly six hour drive that wasn't working well. So, you know, we did keep both businesses for a while, closed the satellite office in Lloyd. But uh, then some progression happened in Medicine Hat, where a competitor actually had approached and said, you know what, we're doing the same thing. Maybe we should look at doing it together. Yeah. So. We had a merger with one of the local safety companies here. And, uh, you know, that was a really big step. That was a lot of expansion and growth that led us to just realize it's just not feasible to continue running Bonneville. So the, uh, one of our, our partners who was managing there, she purchased the safety buzz branch in Bonneville, just allowing us to grow. And as a lot of partnerships go, the partnership that we had with our merger didn't work so well. So about a year and so into the, um, the merge, the new partner said, Hey, you know what? We're, we want to go a different direction. So here we are faced with the decision of buying and it, uh, kind of all is history from there. As soon as we bought it, just opened us up to some new opportunities and new thoughts of growth. So, there was a, a lot of work, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of learning how to adapt to new people, new ideals. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, like as you're you were growing and opening these different satellite locations and that, um, you know, that takes a lot of energy. 
Uh, and you were doing a lot of that traveling back and forth and still doing the training, but also trying to probably do the business development aspects of it as well. Um, yeah. So there's a lot going on in that. Um, can you tell me what you think you would have done differently um, had you, you know, if you were to face with that right now where you're like, you know what, I'm going to start expanding again. What would you do differently this time around than what you did at that time? Easy. I would uh, figure out a way to hire a manager. Yeah. You know, it just, it always seemed out of the realm financially to be able to have somebody else manage uh, personally to give up that, that, that power of having somebody manage. It just, it didn't seem like the right move to ever make. And now in hindsight with where we've gone with the business, that's, definitely what should have been done. There was yeah. way too much working in the business, not enough working on the business. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say like it, it's one of those things that is really difficult, I think, for us to take that uh, step of what feels like maybe losing control a little bit. Right. And, and having the trust in the people, but just like you said, in terms of the, uh, you know, number two on your list of the three things that every entrepreneur needs to know, it's, it's surrounding yourself with that right team. And if you can do that, then the, the growth is just, um, it's the potential for growth is just huge. I think you really unleash um, the, the internal capabilities of all the people that are around you. So, so that would be the number one thing that you would do. Now, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, a lot of people look at mergers and acquisitions as a way to expand as well, as opposed to going in and trying to, you know, stake your, your claim with a new brand mm -hmm. for that area, wherever that area is that you're trying to expand into, um, mm -hmm. and then compete with the existing players there. So mergers, acquisitions, um, for a lot of people that looks to be from the outside, a better way to do it. So if somebody were to venture down that road, what advice would you give them to basically position them? for the greatest success in that, you know, philosophy or, or strategy? Well, do your homework and take a lot of time to really make sure if a merger, for example, mm -hmm. make sure that you mesh with the people. Yeah. 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 We, we, we did do, I would say a fair amount of homework. We, we took some time. We really uh, explored values and uh, fit seemed pretty good. But when push came to shove, there was, uh, there was too many differences. And I think that a lot of times companies look at, okay, well, if we merge, we've got this natural growth, but you know, there's a lot of obstacles to take on uh, as far as an acquisition, very similar if you're acquiring a, a, a team, how do you fit and vice versa? So, yeah, I, I'm going to say really it's, it's about fit. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that um, some other people that I've talked to who have done a lot of mergers uh, have said as well is the uh, when you think about the merger, uh, yes, you're buying a client list oftentimes, right? An existing business, maybe some facilities that are already in place and the, uh, you know, the, the relationships that are within that new location. And, and maybe you're acquiring new capabilities through that too, because that, that company maybe has some adjacent uh, services or products that they can, they can offer as well. But 
at the end of the day, the real value is in that team that is there. And so you want to really make sure that you're focused on ways to incorporate that culture into your culture and finding, uh, you know, obviously one that fits within your culture, but then making sure that you really, um, I, I guess, are careful in ensuring that you have that uh, continuity within those those teams because it's all about the relationships at the end of the day. And so if you misstep there, then that acquisition or merger can be just really, really painful. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, really looking at, at people's values because what, what I was just talking about, having, uh, you know, a manager or someone doing corporate development in place is so key. But if you're getting into business with someone who, you know, thinks of the, the, I can do this all, I can be the end all be all, why would we spend more money right away? Like that's, that's a big red flag. And, you know, I, we've done a lot of business coaching over the years. I, I became a John Maxwell trainer to be able to learn how to lead better, how to run a business better and everything that you will ever listen to will tell you to surround yourself with the right people yeah. and that you need to run your business, not be in your business. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's a big ideal to always hold on to and to think about when you're looking at a merger, because quite often when people are selling, it's because they're so overwhelmed, they can't handle it. Yeah. So, uh, so we hear this all the time. We, you know, work on your business, not in your business. Uh, mm -hmm. But it is difficult for, um, you know, an entrepreneur that has started a business and is growing it to let go of those reins, as, as we said, and kind of trust the people around you. But then also there's that mentality where you're, you know, oftentimes you're bootstrapping at the beginning. And so you just don't have the, the cash flow to be able to fund the management team that you need so that you can kind of step outside of some of those roles and really focus. Um, and in my business, that's where I'm at at times too, where it is, it is difficult because you kind of have to get enough revenue and play to be able to afford those people. And until you get to that level, uh, it can be really painful because you're kind of trying to do both. So I'm curious with your experience, having, you know, gone through that, done the training as well, and the coaching that you do offer other people on this subject, what um, would you say would be that point in which, in your experience, you were able to start to make that transition from being in the business to now working on the business more so? What, where were you at from a business standpoint when that transition occurred? Yeah, well, to, to be very transparent, it just happened about three years ago. Yeah, okay. You know, being 17 years into the business to really realize what changes needed to happen. And, uh, you know, we're extremely fortunate to have somebody really just fall into our lap, I'm going to say, who who offered some some advice and some coaching and, and really gave us as a company the opportunity to say, okay, what is your budget? Where do you need help? And it was just, it was baby steps until we finally realized that, you know, number one, we have to take the risk. Yeah. And number two, we have to realize that yes, there's money up front, 
but the payoff is going to be tenfold and it's, it's not easy. So, you know, to actually be able to give a precise amount of revenue or amount of time or experience, I can't, you know, that is one thing. If I had a crystal ball, I would have just taken that leap years earlier and just realized you just you have to make it work. And if you can't, then discover a way to. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, um, uh, you know, in some of the conversations I've had with other entrepreneurs, a lot of them will say that first million dollars in revenue uh, generation, like annual revenue. So not the accumulated uh, first million, but once they got to an annual million dollars in revenue, um, that was kind of the point in which they were able to surround themselves with enough, um, you know, they had enough revenue to to hire in uh, some managers, some uh, some people to take some of those hats off of them. And then um, that next million and so on was just so much easier to achieve because they were able to start to focus their attention more on the, the business growth as opposed to the execution of those tasks. And so um, I'm not too sure where you're at or, and some of the, the companies that you've, you know, worked with and that you've coached a little bit as well. But that's something that that uh, keeps surfacing is the first mil. Once you get to that first million and things get a lot easier and then there's other other hurdles or other uh, milestones that are really difficult to get to. But anyway, the first one is the uh, toughest one is what uh, what most people will say. Yeah, yeah, I um I suppose that's probably a, a good, a good target. It makes, it makes sense. And, uh, you know, certainly it's not just the revenue, but it's making sure that you have that cash flow in place and yeah. the right profit yeah. margins. And when you do have the right people in place, they're often going to be the ones that you're going to be working with on deciding how are, is the company going to grow and what areas should you really target for growth? And then in order to grow, chances are what assets need to be purchased, what hiring needs to happen. So it's, um, it is, it's a constant flux where you've got the ups and downs of, okay, things are looking really good. We've, we're at a place we need to be. Oh, but now we need to look at this and yeah. okay, well, it's all good. Oh, but now it's going to be human resources. <laughs> so the, the million dollar mark, I, I, I would uh, tend to agree. It's probably a pretty decent goal, but uh, taking everything into consideration because it's very, very easy to make a million dollars, but to spend a million five. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like, um, there's ever a shortage of places to put the revenue. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope. So uh, I, I'm curious, you know, uh, from the early days, uh, you know, 20 years ago to where you're at now, what do you mm -hmm. find easier today than it was in those earlier days as you were navigating through the growth and uh, everything else that uh, has been along the, you know, the journey that you've been on. So, so what's easier today with all the experience that you have now? Everything. 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 <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, as, as part of our decision to hire the right people, you know, one of the, one of the choices that Sheldon and I had very early on was okay, if you're looking at your business and you want to see where you want to be within the business, 
we both expressed that we don't want to be at the business all the time. Yeah. We've got, we've got a young son. Uh, Sheldon's got uh, two boys that are, you know, they're graduating. We want to be a really big part of their lives. And it kills me when I look back to when my son was in preschool and there was times where well, a lot of times he was the first one there and he was the last one being picked up and yeah, yeah. just, you know, it just makes me want to cry to this day. And I said that that can't happen. So even for example, this summer, like we staff ourselves accordingly, we have the right team. So we come in and we spend a little time at work, but we spend most of the time with our family over the summer. And, you know, that's, certainly made things a world easier. And we do, we really, most of the time, I would say 90% of the time is focusing on the business. We are involved in the business, such as instructing only when we feel like it. Clockwork is uh, is a really interesting book that um, uh, talks a little bit about that, trying to basically systematize your business so that you, uh, and the test is so you can take 30 days off uh, and let your business run on its own. Um, and so that's the, the goal, the end goal, or sorry, the, the first goal, I suppose you could say of the clock working, uh, process of your, of your business. And it's all about systems, right? And so that's one of the, the biggest challenges that I think, um, I've had as my business is growing, because when you start to let go of some of those responsibilities, but you still want to have an execution of, at an excellence level, right? Um, mm. You need to have the systems in place to ensure that that happens. And so uh, that's the the biggest challenge I find is just systematizing everything. And then once you have it systematized, then you can start to analyze it then for efficiencies and start to find those incremental gains, which are going to, generally speaking, get deposited on your bottom line. So um, it all starts with that systematization and, and understanding that part too. Yeah. 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 So, 100%. so, so speaking of that, that, you know, that, uh, uh, 20 years of experience. Now, if you could write a letter and send it back to your, you know, younger entrepreneurial self. So that person 20 years ago who, uh, is making the leap into entrepreneurship, what would you put in that letter? What would you tell young Amy? I would tell her. Get ready for the ride. It's going to be really tough. Buckle up. There's, buckle up. There's going to be days where you just want to lay in bed, but you can't. Yeah. There's going to be times where you are more frustrated than you can imagine. You have now put yourself in a position that you are working with people all the time. And that is the most difficult thing you will do in your life. Yeah. But on the flip side, that you're going to enjoy every second of it. You're going to build amazing relationships. You're going to uh, build a team. You're going to be able to put food on the table and a roof over a lot of people's heads. And uh, just, uh, just, just to enjoy it. Don't, don't get discouraged. Just enjoy it. And uh, I guess probably one of the biggest themes, surround yourself with the right team. Yeah. And I guess something else too. just realize there's going to be hard decisions. And especially whenever it comes to, to people, yeah, there's difficult decisions that need to be made. And when it's time, make them 
Don't look back. Don't feel bad because, you know, you've done a lot of good. You've helped a lot of people, but there's going to be people that it just isn't going to work out with. Yeah, man, I can relate to that. It's it that I find human resource management is one of the, the, the greatest, most fun things to do if there wasn't humans involved in it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so difficult to make those, those decisions because we care about those people, right? And so when we hire somebody, when we have somebody on the team, we hired them for a reason that we saw the potential. And so when that just does not pan out, it's so hard to give up on them and, uh, and to make that cut, but it's so important to do it and to do it quickly, like you said, and, and not dwell on it. Don't beat yourself up. It's not going to be a home run every time when you hire somebody, um, but learn from it and, and uh, try to improve what's your next hire, right? For sure. Yeah. So um, I also want to, before we, we go, is to celebrate your win here this spring. So you uh, received the uh, Small Business Entrepreneur of the Year Award um, with the Alberta uh, Chambers of Commerce, so the ABAT Awards, uh, which was just uh, such a, a thrilling thing. I was there to in person announcing or being there on stage, I guess, when you were announced as the winner. And, and uh, it was just so exciting to see, you know, everybody celebrating all the excellence that was in that room. And so congratulations to you guys, because it is such a struggle day in and day out as small business owners um, to, uh, you know, like you said, kind of get yourself out of bed in the morning sometimes and uh, you obviously are doing it and being recognized for it. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you so much. It gives me goosebumps. That was one of the most amazing days. You know, we've yeah. been uh, a recipient of a, a few local chamber awards, but man, to be recognized across Alberta, it's, it's something else and it sure is a good team win. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's right, right? He celebrated as a team for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate you coming by today and chatting with us. Is there um, a method that you would prefer that people use to reach out to you if anybody wanted to connect with you to learn more about what you guys do over there at Safety Buzz Campus or just to connect with you on a personal level? Certainly. Uh, we just built a wonderful new website. So it's safetybuzzcampus.ca. It'll uh, give you a journey uh, all about our team and what we do at the campus uh, for just reaching out to me. LinkedIn is probably my favorite means. Certainly uh, both the company and myself are on Facebook as well, but uh, yeah, LinkedIn would work awesome. Sounds great. That's Amy Zach Olson. For those of you who want to search her up on LinkedIn. So thank you again. I really appreciate your time today. And for those who are listening, if you enjoyed this episode, you want to check out the archives, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find all sorts of different entrepreneur stories. We're well over 250 of them now. So check out that archive. And if you're not following us on your favorite podcasting platform, just search Amplify Your Business and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode there as well. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. Thank you.